the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, once again, we greet you. It's time for the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. Uh, we do it every weekend on WTLN AM 950 uh, in Orlando, Florida. And we always look forward to our visits. Uh, Jeff Sennis engineers our show each weekend. And Andrew Herdliska produces it. And Holly Girth is our guest in the first half hour. Holly has a new book out with Ravel. You're going to be okay, it's called. Encouraging Truth Your Heart Needs to Hear especially on the hard days. Holly joins us from her home in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Good to talk to you, Holly. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. What's the mission behind this book? This mission is to encourage people who are going through anything from a hard day to one of the toughest situations they've ever faced. And why did you dive into this? Have you lived through this? Was this something on your heart? Yes, I have definitely experienced some hard times. I think we all have. And I'm also a counselor and a life coach and a writer. And so I get to engage with a lot of hearts all over the world. And I realized that one thing we all just really want to know is that no matter what we face, we're going to be okay. What prompted you to become a counselor? Well, I've always just been drawn to encouraging the hearts of others, and I was working as a writer at Big Spring Greeting Cards, and I wanted to know how to talk more clearly to the women's needs and what they were facing, what I was writing for, and so I started going to school for that and realized I wanted to do that face-to-face as an actual counselor, too. So I did private practice for a couple years, and now I've transitioned over to life coaching. Holly, there are 10 interesting chapters in your book called You're Going to Be Okay. Uh, Chapter 1 is called Who You Are is Still the Same. What does that mean? Well, I think one of the biggest lies we can believe is that I am what I am going through, and that's just not true. I remember having a conversation with a friend who was going through a struggle, and she just kept saying, well, I guess this struggle is just who I am now. I'm just the girl who has this thing, and I paused and said, that is where you are, but it's not who you are. And so we tend to take these labels associated with where we are in life, stress, tired, divorce, sick, alone, and say, this is who I am. And God says, nope, that's not who you are. That's what you're going through. You're so loved and chosen. You have a purpose, and your identity is still the same, even if you're in a difficult place. Then you write in the second segment, you're stronger than you know. Yes, I think it's important when we're going through hard times to pause and say, okay, I've made it this far in life. I do have some strength. What can I draw from as resources? 
So I talk about strengths that come out in hard times, like being resilient or being able to have a sense of humor in a hard moment or knowing how to find support around us. So I really encourage people when they're feeling most like a failure and when they're most worn out to just pause and say, okay, what's one strength that I have right now? And then to look around and say, how have I gotten through things like this before? Because it's probably not the first hard time that someone has gone through. And so we tend to not give ourselves enough credit about what we've already faced and made it through with Jesus. And just looking and saying, okay, how has he made me? What have I been through already with God? And how can I apply that to this situation now? It can really shift our perspective because we tend to feel overwhelmed and like we're not doing anything right, and we're not going to make it through this. And actually, we have a whole lot to offer, even in our hardest moments. Then I want you to talk about your mind is a powerful gift. Yes, our minds are powerful gifts. I am a girl who loves researching about brain science because I see God's hand all over how we're created. So we are wired with a flight-or-fight system that comes from our amygdala, And that kicks in when we face a crisis. And if we don't understand that we need to move our thoughts back into a different state, let our neocortex, the logical side of our brains that God has given us to process life, then we are going to have a harder time processing. So that chapter really explores, okay, when you have that panicked moment or you find yourself in a situation you don't expect at all, and you feel flooded with emotion, how can you just pause and say, okay, God, thank you for this alarm system that you've built inside me that is telling me something is wrong. Now, how can I deal with that in a proactive way? So just stopping and taking a deep breath and saying, what's happening? What are these emotions telling me? And then how can I, instead of just react, really respond and say, God, what do you want me to do with this circumstance? How can I get the help that I need? And so I think our minds are beautiful gifts, but unless we understand that being transformed by the renewing of our minds is not only spiritual, it's actually physical. We have to teach ourselves to think in new ways. Then it can be harder to get through what we're facing. So we literally make new brain pathways when we begin thinking new thoughts, and we can change. It just takes a lot of practice and a lot of patience but there's a lot of hope in knowing that you don't have to just think whatever comes into your mind. You don't have to just react to whatever unfolds in your life. You really can use your mind as a powerful gift. I want you to talk to us about your heart is worth guarding. What does that mean? Yes, well, we just talked about our mind, and the other significant part of who we are is our heart. And so when we are going through difficult things, our hearts are really vulnerable. And as we know in Proverbs, it says, above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And so that means being proactive about saying, okay, what do I let into my heart? And what do I give out? And the word guard is not the same as having a wall. We can tend to shut down in hard times, either that or we can be wide open and just grab for anything that will give us comfort. So the idea of guarding is really evaluating, okay, what do I need right now? Love, support, other resources, and what do I want to come out of my heart during this time? We don't want bitterness to come out or those things. So how do we just really learn to use our hearts as if they had a gate and say, what do I need to let in? What do I need to keep out? And how can I just protect my heart during the season when it's even more tender? Now, we've come to another interesting topic. Uh, Holly Girth is our guest. You can keep from sabotaging yourself. 
How do first of all, how do people sabotage themselves, Holly? Well, we are all quite good at it, I think. So, for example, you might have a bad day and come home and eat a plate of brownies, which just makes it worse. Or maybe go to the shopping mall and spend money that you don't have or look at something on the Internet that is not holy. We all have a tendency to make choices when we're hurting that actually make that hurt worse. And so that's what I mean by sabotaging ourselves. And I use the example of Whitney Houston in this chapter, an amazingly gifted woman who was asking in an interview, who is your worst enemy? And she said, me. And as we saw that unfold, she ultimately destroyed herself, which was a huge loss of those gifts. And so it's important to say, okay, how do I sabotage myself? This part of being human we tend to reach for whatever we think is going to give us the quickest comfort. And so we need to recognize that and say, okay, God, right now, this is what I really want. I really want that brownie. <laughs> but if I make that choice, it's only going to make this hard time even more difficult. So what do you have for me instead? Can I pick up the phone and call a friend and say, can you just pray for me? I'm having a really hard time. Or do you need to spend some time alone reading God's Word to just get reoriented? Or do you need to... Make another choice that can just replace that self-sabotage that naturally happens to all of us. And I think it's important to talk about this because we tend to think, oh, I'm the only one who ever makes choices like this. Everyone else has it together. And that is just not true. It's a very human thing to try to get comfort as quickly as we can. And unless we intentionally change those patterns, that's what we're going to do. And so God wants to come alongside us and say, lay down that guilt and shame. It's all right, girl. I still love you. I will help you through this, and I will help you learn new ways of dealing with life. By the way, uh, Holly, uh, where where do these brownies come from? Are you the one baking them? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like to bake. (laughs) And I I just figure they're awesome. So maybe the best thing is to uh, just put them in the freezer somewhere where we won't be tempted. (laughs) I'd love to to have some of your brownies, Holly. (laughs) Holly Girth is our guest, and her book is out. It's called You're Going to Be Okay, Encouraging Truth Your Heart Needs to Hear, especially on the hard days. Ravel is the publisher. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. Uh, the Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. Holly Girth's website is Holly with a capital H, Girth, capital G, dot com. Holly Girth, G-R-T-H, dot com. We'll have more with Holly as we talk about her book. You're going to be okay right after this. Is of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hi, this is Pastor Johnny with The Vision, and this is Little Seeds of Faith. Reading out of the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, reads like this. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Amazing. Through everything that we go through, it develops perseverance in our life and it builds our character so that we could have that character just like Jesus did. Wow. He is our peace. He is our love. He is our joy. He is everything. And through this, we can endure everything in life. What a blessing. And that's a little seed of faith. Think about it. You've been listening to Little Seeds of Faith, the media ministry of New Vision Church. Send your support to 5480 Hal Branch Road in Winter Park, 32792, or call 407-233-6550. You can also reach them on Facebook at The Vision with Pastor Johnny and Vic. 
everybody. It's Pete Picasso, your morning host here at the new 950 WTLN. And I'd like to welcome back a computer program here on the weekends, very familiar to our listeners. It's Tech Talk and more, Saturday afternoons at 4, from Palm Tree Computer Systems and Jinx IT. They are the experts on any problem you might be having, downloads, uploads, software, hardware. You've got questions? These experts have the answers. And you never know when you could win something pretty cool. It's Tech Talk and more, now Saturday afternoons at 4, on the new 950 WTLN and WTLN.com. April 15th isn't the only deadline you have to worry about this year. If you're not signed up for health insurance by March 31st, you will owe a penalty under the new health care law. Arm yourself with the latest information, all contained in the brand new book, Beating Obamacare 2014 by Betsy McCoy. Read Beating Obamacare 2014 to help you find lower premiums, navigate the disastrous website, and more. Beat the health care deadline with our special offer. Log on today. BeatingObamacare2014.com. That's BeatingObamacare2014.com. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Holly Girth is with us from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, we're talking about her book, You're Going to Be Okay. Next topic, Holly. You've made, you're made for a promised land. Uh, that sounds interesting. Yes, I think one of the biggest myths that we believe is the promised land is only heaven. And we hear a lot at funerals and things, well, they crossed the Jordan, you know, now they're in the promised land. And I began to ask, is that really true? Does that mean that we are stuck in the desert for life? Because that seems to be the only option if the promised land is only in heaven. And so I really dug into those scriptures and I found, no, the promised land is living in the fullness of what God has for us. Even here, when they went into the promised land, they still had to fight battles. They still had to work hard. They had to settle and deal with things. And so, to me, that's not a picture of heaven. The difference was they had freedom. Now, the capital of the promised land is Zion, and that is a biblical picture of heaven. So we go through the promised land, and we end in Zion, which is heaven. But I think that's really important for people to understand, because we need to know God's plan is not for us to stay stuck in our desert. He's not saying, you are doomed to the desert until the day you die. You will go through deserts in your life, probably multiple times. But I always want to get you to a better place. And when we don't understand that, we tend to settle in the desert. And that is not God's best for us. He wants to say, okay, you're going to face trials in this life. You're going to go through challenges. But if you keep following me, I'm going to take you to a place of blessing, even through those hard times. And so that was just a huge aha for me. And I felt like something I wanted other people to know, that Jesus meant it when he said he has life to the full for us. And we don't have to live in a desert, that we do have a promised land that God can bring us into, even in our hardest time. I want you to talk about, you'll remember these words. Well, there are things, our hearts tend to get very forgetful when we're going through difficult things. And even the most basic truths can kind of elude us. And so this chapter just really walks people through. These are the things you need to remember are true no matter what. And at the top of that list for me would just be that your love. When we go through hard things, we tend to face a lot of fear and feel like we're letting people down and wondering about the future and thinking, I am alone. And so we just need to know that God's love for us isn't based on our performance, but He loves us the same on our worst day as He does on our best. 
And whether we are doing everything we think we should be able to do and checking off our little list or whether we feel like, I can even get out of bed today, God still sees us as his children, and he loves us. And our hearts can forget that. And those are the moments when we need to reach out to people we trust and say, remind me of what's true. I was going through a really difficult time, and I sent a text to a friend and just said, I cannot remember what's true today. All I can hear are the lies. Will you please remind me, remind my heart of what's actually true. And she just texted back some scriptures and just some statements. And I held that all day as I went about my business and just kept reading over it and saying, okay, this is what's true no matter how I feel. Because when we're in a difficult time, our feelings and what's true often don't line up. And so we need that backup from trusted people to just say, this is what's true, even on this day when you don't feel it. Before I forget it, you mentioned back uh, before the break about Whitney Houston sabotaging herself. If you had had a chance, Holly, to counsel her or spend time with Whitney, uh, what, what would you have wanted to share with her? I think I would have said, you are not your gift, because what she talked about driving her to make those choices was that, was that she felt so much pressure to be perfect all the time and that she was only as good as her last performance. And I can certainly relate to that. I think we all can on some level of just feeling like I'm only as good as my performance. And so I would want to have a conversation with her where we just talked about grace and how, yes, she has been entrusted with a great and valuable gift. But that is not the reason that God loves her. And that even if she never sang again, even if she never got a fit on the stage again, that God would still love her the same. And so I think that's something all of us just need to know, that we can get into a place where the pressure of performance and expectations can just weigh us down. And God says, you don't have to carry that. You know, come to me when you're weary and lay it down and let me give you grace instead. And that it's not about what we can do, but instead about our relationship with Him. So I would just want her to know you're loved apart from your performance, because I think that really sets us free. Holly Girth is with us. We're now to the eighth topic, Holly. You can make the most of change. Yes. I think hard times always come with some kind of change, even if it's just a change in our expectation. We all go through life, and we have an idea in our minds how things are going to unfold, whether it's with our marriage, or our children, or our health, or our jobs, and then Something hard happens, and we think, wow, this is not going according to plan. What do I do with this? And so I think it's first important to acknowledge, you know, change is hard. As humans, we are wired with kind of an internal thermostat where we want to keep the status quo. And most of the time that works well. It makes us fairly stable. But when change comes along, we need to reevaluate that and say, okay, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned. This isn't what I imagined. God, what do you want to redeem through this change? And also allowing ourselves to acknowledge the hard emotions that come along with change, to actually grieve and say, this is hard, or I'm angry, or I wish things were different. And then after we let ourselves feel those emotions, to say, okay, you know what, this has happened to me, but I still have an opportunity to proactively respond to it, to not be a victim, but instead to be a victor. Because that is the hope that we have in Jesus. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And so things will happen to us in life that we don't like at all. 
and we will be hurt and in pain, but we can say, okay, I'm going to take hold of this, and even though it's not what I wanted, I'm going to give it to God, and together we are going to redeem this, and I'm not going to walk out of the darkness of this place without some treasures to take with me. And so I think, again, that gives us a lot of hope that even when life doesn't work out the way we planned, that God can still bring us things that we never imagined through it. Now, the title is Your Future is Full of Hope. That sounds like a good chapter, Holly. (laughs) Yes, that is just looking forward to heaven, really, to saying, you know what, this life isn't all there is. And we tend to think of heaven as sitting on clouds and, you know, singing forever. And when I look at Scripture, that's not what's in there. So there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We'll have relationships and meaningful work to do and worship. And that means that this life, no matter how hard it gets, is not the end of our story. It's only the beginning. And so in the darkest times of our lives, we can say, you know what? However this day ends, however this week ends, however this year ends, at the end of my life, I am going to be in a better place with Jesus. And all of this is going to be gone. And we can tend to lose that perspective. And so I just really wanted to explore, you know, there's so much God ahead for us. And like we talked about before, even in this life, God is relentlessly trying to bring us to a better place. Our stories start in Eden, this beautiful garden, a promised land. Then Adam and Eve lose that and get exiled. So God brings his people into another promised land. They lose that, and then he's bringing us back into heaven, another promised land. So just the pattern that I see is God always saying, you know what, I love you, and I want you to thrive, and I'm going to get you through the hard times to somewhere better. And so I think that's something that we can hold on to for all our lives and then look forward to in eternity, that there is hope and there is a future that is coming that is better than what we're experiencing right now. And now we get to the 10th title, or 10th chapter. You really are going to be okay, you tell us. Yes, that's just a little wrap-up. And I talk a lot about my grandpa, Holly, and I'm named after him. He is 93 years old and going strong, and he has taught me what it looks like to live in a way that's resilient for life. And I've gotten to watch him go through really hard things with, health issues and just the ups and downs of life, and he just keeps going anyway. And so I've watched him most of all just say what matters most in life is loving people and loving Jesus and just saying that's what it's all about, and that's what's going to last no matter what else we go through. And so to me, he's just a picture of, you know, we are all going to face hard things. We are all going to go through difficult times. But if we just keep saying, okay, God, I'm just going to keep following faithfully. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to love those around me, and I'm going to look forward to what you have ahead. Then we really can live in a way where even if we're not okay on a particular day, that at the end of our lives we can look back and say, yep, it turned out okay. I made it through, and now I'm going home. And for me, my grandpa's just really been a picture of that in my life. Holly, what do you want people to take from our discussion here? I think I want people to understand that you're going to be okay isn't about being okay right now, that you're going to be okay is about a process, and it's about just saying, you know what, no matter what happens to me, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to take another step forward each day, 
And so it's not about saying, I'm not allowed to have hard times or I'm not allowed to experience negative emotions. It's about knowing that in this world, all of those are inevitable, but that we don't have to stay there. We don't have to get stuck and that that's not what God wants for us. But he says, you know, I will come alongside you and I will help you. And yes, there will be a lot of tears along the way, but ultimately my desire for you is to live in joy. And to me, um, in the hard things that I've walked through in my life, just having that hope makes a huge difference. Holly, there's one segment uh, about being okay. You, you quote Daniel Goleman, the author of Social Intelligence, who says, our brain has been preset for kindness. Mm-hmm. He goes on to share that we're always impacted by, by those around us. Um, expand on that. Do you really think our brain is preset for kindness? Yes, that's an amazing thing about brain science. The more they discover about how we are physically created, the more it's clear that God is our creator. Because, for example, our brains are, like you said, preset for kindness. And his point in that segment is also be careful how you impact other people and who you're impacted by. Because it turns out we catch each other's emotions kind of like cold. So if you're around a negative person, you're probably going to feel more down when you leave. Or if you tend to bring negativity into your relationship, you're going to impact the people that you love. And so just saying, okay, especially when I'm going through hard times, I need to be careful about who I'm with and who are the people in my life that I walk away feeling better after I'm with them because we kind of stink up in this mysterious, wonderful way when it comes to loving one another, that our brains affect each other, we affect each other's health, we affect each other's emotions. And I love that because to me it just shows, you know, God made us for relationship and he's wired that into even our physical being. What's the best thing about living in Fayetteville, Arkansas? (laughs) Oh, that is a good question. It's a beautiful place. It's really green hills. And right now we have a lot of snow on the ground. We have gotten more snow than I think ever before this year. So. I would say my favorite part is that um, we have a really great community of friends here, and the people are very kind. My husband and I have lived here about 15 years now, so it's a great area. Every time I come to northwest Arkansas, Holly, uh, something has changed. Yes. Oh, the, <laughs> the, the airport's been expanded, or Walmart has done something, or Tyson Foods, or H.B. Hunt. Boy, it, it, it is an amazing, amazing growth area. I'm just stunned by it. Yeah, it really is. It's exploded in the last few years. New restaurants coming all the time. and mm-hmm. Yeah, just fascinating. What's next for you? Do you have another project in the pipeline? I do. I have another book coming out this time next year. It's called Your Love No Matter What, Cream Your Heart from the Need to Be Perfect. Well, we talked a little bit about that, didn't we? That was your yes. That was your Whitney, <laughs> Whitney Houston discussion. Mm-hmm. Is that a problem, really a problem in your counseling? Yeah. Absolutely. I think especially for Christians, because we can tend to put ourselves under the law, again, even though we're called to live by grace. And so I've talked with a lot of, it seems like women especially, who just tend to think, I have to be perfect or I won't be loved. And so their life becomes about trying harder and harder instead of being able to receive what God has. And I've personally wrestled with that. And so it's a message that I'm really passionate about and will probably talk about for the rest of my life. Because I think it's, there's a reason that God's mercies are new every morning. It's because that's how often we need to be reminded that 
We're loved not because of our performance, but because of who he is and because of who he's made us through Jesus. Holly Gerth has been our guest. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-800-801-9691. 1-800-801-9691. That's 1-800-801-9691. 1-800-801-9691. We thought we were doing the right thing. I mean, why go out and hire professionals when we have people right here in the congregation who have yeah. experience in construction? That's right. I mean, Elder Jones was a carpenter for over 50 years. <laughs> but boy, were we wrong. You know, I thought I knew drywall. I thought I knew about plumbing. And we're supposed to know all the rules and regulations and permits and even the laws that are required to just renovate our own fellowship hall. Now we're really in hot water, too, with our local government. And we have to start all over again. Every day in Central Florida, well-meaning local churches run afoul of local government regulations for construction. The legal process for church construction projects is complex. Let the NEMO Group assist you with this complicated legal process. The NEMO Group is a Christian construction company. The NEMO Group specializes in church renovation and addition projects. The NEMO Group will help your congregation Build a wall of protection that will ensure your renovation or add-on is safe, successful, and legal. Call 407-504-6966 or visit NemoGroup.com today. That's N-Y-M-O Group.com. The Nemo Group is a member of the Orlando Times Network. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. On the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Holly Girth, our guest in that first half hour, talking about her book, You're Gonna Be Okay. Well, here's a man who's okay. His name is Ralph Reed, uh, founder and chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, His new book is out. It's called Awakening, How America Can Turn from Economic and Moral Destruction Back to Greatness. Ralph, I'm so happy you can join me. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Pat. Thanks for having me. Worthy is the publisher of this uh, interesting and exciting new book with a dazzling front cover, by the way. Uh, Mike Huckabee uh, did the foreword. Uh, Ralph, you open with a uh, segment. In fact, you've got three different parts. The first one just is called in motion. Uh, I'm curious what that means. Well, in motion is just a reference to the turning of the spiritual cycle in the history of the United States, which as a matter of historical fact, not a matter of theology, fairly mimics the history of Israel in moving from um, obedience to prosperity and abundance, prosperity and abundance 
leading to pride and self-reliance. That leads ultimately to um, libertinism, disobedience, uh, sometimes to hedonism, certainly spiritual rebellion. Um, And then that leads to judgment, uh, which then leads you back to repentance and obedience. And this has happened in cycles throughout American history. And it has often, which is why the book is titled Awakening, it has often led to spiritual and moral awakenings that called America back to its founding principles, back to a broken-hearted, humble reliance upon God, and that in turn has led to social reform and political change. And my argument, as somebody who's been involved in politics uh, my entire adult life and even before then, and is mostly identified with political activism. My argument is that the problems have become too endemic to be solved simply by electing new people or by passing new bills. We need a spiritual and a moral awakening in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, in our churches and other houses of worship. And political change will only be effective if it is a consequence of a spiritual moral awakening, not an attempt to impose one from the top down. Ralph, in what ways do you see the vision of our founding fathers slipping away from the U.S.? Well, I think you can see it in many ways. Um, you know, I talk about this in the opening chapter of the book, that if you, if you gaze out across the American political and cultural landscape today, You see the legalization of drugs, uh, not just in Colorado and Washington State, where they've legalized marijuana, by the way, an open violation of federal law, Hmm. but also the medicinal marijuana that is openly abused and readily available in many more states, including California and others. You see a breakdown in the family. Forty percent of all the children born in America today are born out of wedlock without the benefit of a father and mother present in the home, 40%, 70% of African-American children, uh, 50% of Hispanic children born out of wedlock. You see the breakdown in marriage, not just through the redefinition of marriage, but through the, fa- the, the failure of traditional marriage. No-fault divorce, one out of every two marriages ending in divorce, and so forth. Uh, you see a $17 trillion national debt, and that's just the current debt. That doesn't count on the balance sheet, uh, unfunded entitlement spending like Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, which totals over $50 trillion in unfunded liabilities. And you see an economy weighed down by regulations, by Obamacare. You also see what I call in another chapter the war on Christianity, uh, the war on the First Amendment and on the practice of our religious faith. Uh, most dramatically demonstrated, by the way, by the, the HHS mandate under Obamacare and also by the attempt by the IRS to harass and intimidate Tea Party, conservative, Christian, and pro-Israel organizations, and most recently, within the last week or so, in the public comment period, on the proposed IRS regulations that would prevent organizations like Faith and Freedom Coalition from even distributing voter guides or even registering voters uh, prior to an election. Um, These are all things that show that we've lost our way, And we've lost our way spiritually, and that in turn has led to a loss of our way in our politics. You mentioned the war on Christianity, Ralph. Can you expand on that? 
Yeah, I think you really see it um, uh, across the board. You see it internationally uh, in the virtual liquidation of Christian communities in places like Iraq, in Egypt, where the Coptic Christians have come under violent assault, uh, in Syria, where uh, Catholics and other Christians have been executed by radical Islamic terrorists and by other uh, fellow travelers. There's a global war on Christianity that this current administration has either been uh, late uh, to the fight in, in combating or has been silent. And the reason why is because here in the United States, we've had hostility towards people of faith expressing their faith and being involved politically for decades. Hostility by the courts. Uh, the uh, the Obama administration, for example, through the HHS mandate, through these IRS regulations, through things such as um, um, withdrawing a grant by the State Department to the U.S. Catholic Bishops Conference on Human Trafficking for one reason and one reason only, because the State Department and the Obama administration objected to the Catholic Church's teaching on abortion. Mm. And so even though this is one of the leading social welfare organizations in the world, with a global reach through Catholic uh, ministries, they, they lost a contract to help the victims of human trafficking. And, and I view this as part of a hostility towards Orthodox faith. Talk to us about launching a new Jerusalem. What, what does that mean? Well, it's really a phrase that comes out of the founding. Um, it's not my phrase. I'm not asserting that the United States is a new Jerusalem, but certainly the founding believers uh, thought of America in that way. Um, you know, John Winthrop famously said that America would be a city set upon a hill. And what they meant by that was that they were seeking to build a society separated by an ocean from what they saw as the depravity and corruption of Europe, not only the depravity and corruption in politics, but in the Church. Keep in mind that they were fleeing a Europe where just about every nation had an established Church, including England, and dissenters, like the separatists who founded the Massachusetts Bay Colony, were persecuted and harassed, and in many cases were driven out of the country. Uh, that's why most of the first separatists who came to the United States actually came from Holland, because they were in Holland having fled religious persecution in England, and they wanted to come to America not just to flee persecution, but to establish a society that would so honor God, that would be so remarkable for its righteousness and its justice, and its respect for human and civil rights, that people around the world would emulate it. And that was their vision of America, and we should never forget that. America was not just a place where people were fleeing persecution. It was a place that the founders wanted to be remarkable and exceptional for its righteousness and its justice. That was a central part of the American idea. Ralph Reed is our guest. His book is called Awakening, How America Can Turn from Economic and Moral Destruction Back to Greatness. Uh, the chapter 
called the Reagan Revival intrigues me, Ralph. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Can you describe that? Yeah, well, I I told you that that in the spiritual cycle that we often have a return to God that results in a spiritual and moral awakening. There are many who argue that that happened between 1975 and 2000. And in my chapter on Reagan, and this is not, not all of this is new. In fact, most of it has been covered before, but I think I brought it together and really put a point on it. A lot of people think Ronald Reagan led a charmed existence, and nothing could be further from the truth. He was the son of an alcoholic who was an itinerant uh, shoe salesman who was often fired for jobs because of absenteeism that derived from his binge drinking. And when Ronald Reagan was 11 years old and he was walking home one night, he discovered his father passed out drunk in the snow in front of their house. And he dragged his father into the house. And around this time, his mother gave him a Christian book to read. It was a Christian novel. And it was the story of a young man who was the son of an abusive and alcoholic father who became a Christian, who got elected to Congress, and helped make the nation and his community a better place. And Reagan got inspired by that story. He went to his mother and said he wanted to be baptized and wanted to become a Christian. He was, and he came to believe during his life that God had set him apart for a special mission and purpose. And I argue in Awakening that Reagan becomes this critical figure that takes this spiritual awakening that was occurring in the late 20th century and gives it a leader that allowed us to ultimately triumph over communism, see the breakup of the Soviet Union, and call America back to first principles. And my point is that any of us yielded to God's purposes and called to leadership can see the same thing happen today. And right after that chapter, by the way, Ralph, you do another one called A Coalition of Christians. Uh, Is that somewhat related to the Reagan chapter? It is, but it's really a story about the Christian coalition and how I went there, actually, just within months of Reagan leaving office, and how many at the time were writing off religious conservatives and the so-called religious right. Remember that in the summer of 1989, Jerry Falwell had closed down the moral majority. Reagan had left office. It was largely viewed that the era of religious folk impacting our politics was over. And obviously, within a few years at the Christian Coalition, we proved that that was not the case. We helped elect the first Republican Congress in 40 years. We helped to pass welfare reform a child tax credit, uh, the partial birth abortion ban, the first federal ban on abortion passed since Roe v. Wade, and many other things that I talk about in my book. And my point, again, by talking about that is to build people's faith and to tell them that then, as now, people are saying we're finished. People are saying the energy is on the Obama side and on the left and on this uh, uh, you know, new coalition that he's built. And my argument is, again, they wrote us off in the 80s and 90s, and they were wrong then. And if we will go out there and pray and work and organize, we can prove them wrong again. Talk to me, Ralph, about uh, what ways Obama's presidency undermines 
the moral structure of our country? Well, I think on a, on a whole range of issues, uh, this administration and this president have either been insensitive to or outright hostile to the faith community and to the practice of our faith in American society. And I'll just give you a few examples. And as you know, I have a chapter in the book, In Awakening, called The Liberal Messiah. And I met Barack Obama, actually, in 1997 when we were at a working group together at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. I talk about my impressions of him then and the way my impressions of him then have been vindicated by the way he's acted as president. I think if you look at the Justice Department refusing to defend the Defense of Marriage Act and now the Attorney General of the United States in clear violation of the rule of law, telling state attorneys general that they should not defend the marriage laws of their own state. So he's basically telling Attorney General Pam Bondi that she should not defend Florida's marriage law. Um, This is what's going on. Then you had the case that I mentioned in the book. Hold your thoughts, Ralph. We'll be right back. We've got to take a break. I'm Pat Williams. It's the Weekend Power Hour on WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. Ralph Reed, our guest. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Dr. John Brooks. Families by Designs airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 950 WTLN. I need a data backup solution for my business to replace my current tape backup device. Do you want to spend a lot of money? No. Do you want to store and pay for replicated data? No. How about a solution that's difficult to install and use? No. Offshore automated phone tree support okay? No. Then yes, we can help. Barracuda Backup. End-to-end protection for physical and virtual servers, including data deduplication, to significantly reduce storage requirements, and replicated cloud storage for assured recovery, and live humans to answer your calls. Try Barracuda Backup free. Go to barracuda.com slash yes. When Dr. Reggie Anderson is with a dying patient, something miraculous happens. Tyndale Momentum announces the new book that people everywhere are talking about. One blogger wrote, if I could recommend only one book to every person in my life, this would be it. Stephen Curtis Chapman says, Reggie's Appointments with Heaven revealed that God has a plan for each of us. Appointments with Heaven, the true story of a country doctor and his healing encounters with the hereafter. Learn more at appointmentswithheaven.com. Here's something you don't hear on the radio every day. Someone who can't see. I am totally blind. And I go through periods where I'm unable to sleep at night and feel like I'm constantly running but can never quite catch up. But this isn't a sleep problem. It's something called non-24. Learn about the link between total blindness and your symptoms. Visit learnmorenon24.com or call 855-856-2424. Sponsored by Vanda Pharmaceuticals. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Ralph Reed's new book is out with worthy publishers. It's called Awakening, How America Can Turn From Economic and Moral Destruction Back to Greatness. Uh, Ralph, pick up your thoughts before the break. I uh, 
want you to continue, please. Yeah, I, w- I was. I was. All, I also point out in the book that the Obama administration went into federal court and sued under the Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission, a Lutheran church that had terminated a teacher who was also a minister, and they actually argued before the U.S. Supreme Court that a church had no right to hire and fire its own ministers based on their own theology or beliefs. It was such an outrageous argument that they lost the case. I believe it was the Tabor decision. Uh, It was a Lutheran synod out of, uh, I think, Washington State, somewhere in the Northwest. They lost that decision nine to zip. And Elena Kagan, who had served in the Obama administration, told the Solicitor General in oral arguments that she found the argument that they were making astonishing and hard to believe. Now, can you imagine arguing that a church shouldn't be able to decide who its ministers are? That's what the Obama administration did. I mentioned the Obamacare HHS mandate, which forces employers, including many religious charities, including colleges like Ohio Christian University, uh, like Notre Dame, like Wheaton College, who have all sued in court, Colorado Christian University, many faith-based colleges in Florida are being forced to subsidize health care services that violate their faith and assault their conscience, including abortion-inducing medication. And, and you could just go on and on. I mentioned, and this is more symbolic and maybe more political, but when, when Obama was renominated in Charlotte in 2012, the platform committee dropped a traditional reference to faith in God and dropped language that had been included in the in the platform for decades expressing support for the state of Israel. And it was only after the Christian Broadcasting Network reported that references to God and Israel had been deleted that they belatedly reinserted it. And they did so, by the way, to boos and catcalls and jeers from the delegates. So you really have to ask yourself, what is going on in this administration and what has happened within the modern Democratic Party? Keep in mind, this is the party of Harry S. Truman, who recognized the state of Israel. We were the first country in the world to recognize Israel. What does it say when, it, when the passage of a platform plank pledging the United States' fidelity to Israel gets booed at a Democratic convention? And, and you know, the book includes dozens of these examples of cases where this administration has come down either insensitive to or hostile to the First Amendment rights of people of faith. Ralph, I want you to look ahead to uh, 2016 and the mm-hmm. presidential elections. What, what do you see happening? Can you uh, pull your crystal ball out here? Well, you know, a lot of people quote Bill Clinton. I'm not sure he's the one who said it, uh, but it's often attributed to him that when it comes to presidential politics, Democrats fall in love and Republicans fall in line. (laughs) And it's always been true that we have nominated, the Republicans have, a lot of times whoever's turn it was. So in 1980, Reagan had run against Ford and lost, but he had run before it was his turn. It was Bush 41's turn after serving two terms as vice president. It was Bob Dole's turn later because he had run 
two or three times before. It was Mitt Romney's turn in 12 because he had come in a close second to Huckabee, uh, to McCain, and I could go on. But this time, it looks like that may not be the case. First of all, there's no clear front runner. Uh, you look at the polling today, and everybody, whether it's Rand Paul or Marco Rubio or Mike Huckabee or Chris Christie or Jeb Bush or Ted Cruz, they're all testing in the mid to upper teens to low teens. There's nobody even over 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, and and secondly, the field, and, and I'm not saying this as a partisan, but just as somebody who's been involved in nine presidential campaigns, I can tell you, having worked for Reagan and having worked on the George W. Bush campaigns in 00 and 04, this is the strongest, the deepest, the most qualified field, prospectively, that the Republicans have seen, in my opinion, in the post-World War II period. I mean, you could have, in addition to all the ones I named, uh, you could have Governor Rick Perry, Rick Santorum again, Mike Huckabee, Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin, Governor John Kasich of Ohio, plus people like Ted Cruz, Jeb Bush, Chris Christie, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, and some are even talking about Sarah Palin. I can't think of a field that has been that strong, ever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's wide open, and obviously uh, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, and Nevada will play under the rules a critical role in sifting through those before the candidates, presumably a narrowed field, turns to um, Florida, Georgia, and other states. But let me say one thing. In 2012, 51% of all the people who voted in Republican presidential preference primaries and caucuses were self-identified evangelicals. Mm. 51%, that's the highest ever recorded. And nobody is going to win this nomination without pledging their fidelity and their commitment and their willingness to fight for the sanctity of life, marriage, and the values that made this country great. What does Joe Biden do in 16? Well, obviously, uh, even though he is saying that his decision is not contingent upon what Hillary Clinton will decide, I just don't think that Joe Biden is going to be able to raise the funds or be viable if Hillary Clinton runs. Uh, So I think his decision, not on whether or not he goes, but whether or not he'll be viable, uh, hinges on Hillary's decision. My assumption, even though I have good friends in the Democratic Party who assure me that they don't know and that she doesn't know, and I believe them. I don't know why she would decide now. She doesn't need to. Um, And she's getting ready for a book tour, and she's busy speaking and, and doing other things. But I assume, and I think everyone should assume, that Hillary Clinton will run and that either she'll be the nominee or they'll nominate their strongest candidate. I think this will be a very competitive and hard-fought race, frankly, a lot like 2000, I hope without a recount, but one that will be extremely close. Why do you believe, and I sense you do, Ralph, that America's best days are still ahead? Well, I believe it because, as I argue in the book, without attempting to be a prophet, and I'm not claiming to be a prophet, that historically... When America has reached a point of crisis, as it did before the Civil War over slavery, as it did in the 75 to 2000 period as a result of a weak economy uh, and, and a weak America abroad, and as it has at other times in American history, 
it has often led to collective repentance and renewal that births a spiritual and moral awakening. Uh, I don't think that you can get that out of America's DNA. I think America has been blessed by God because America believed in God. And I think the faith strand in America's DNA cannot be um, removed surgically uh, by politicians in Washington, by people in Hollywood, or others who are hostile to those values. The second reason why I have faith is because I believe in God. And I know that regardless of nationality, uh, because I believe apart from Israel, God is no respecter of nations, frankly, in, including America. But I think if enough people get on their knees and repent and apologize and say, it's not the left, it's not the liberals, it's not this guy or that guy, it's me. God, I repent that I have let this happen in my life and in the life of my community and my nation and I ask for your forgiveness and your mercy. If enough people do that, God will move, and America can be renewed once again to strength, not just economic strength, but moral and spiritual strength. Ralph Reed has been our guest. Ralph, this has been a wonderful half hour. I'm so glad we could visit, and congratulations on your book. Thanks so much, and I hope people will go to either you know Amazon or ChristianBook.com and and good awakening it's a it's a great read and i hope it'll help them be a better believer and a better citizen we've got to wrap up right after this on the pat williams weekend power hour it's wtln am 950 in orlando more of the pat williams power hour in just a moment on the new 950 wtln Hi, folks. This is Alan Thicke, and as one of those TV dads, I had to teach the kids about handling money, so here goes. Rule number one, don't mess with the IRS. They're cracking down this year. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank account, even your home or business could be up for grabs over unpaid taxes. It's all true. But it's also true that they're offering a new way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt forgiveness. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for a tax settlement that's 75% lower than before these recent changes. The experts at Optima Tax Relief will work to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. That's 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us. We always love having you with us. Holly Girth, our guest, in that first half hour talking about her book, You're Going to Be Okay. And then Ralph Reed was with us. Uh, His book is called Awakening, founder and chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, Please visit my website, it's patwilliams.com, and the Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. Uh, my most recent book is out. It is called The Mission is Remission, 
Hope for Battling Cancer. Uh, HCI is the publisher, and uh, you can visit bookstores now. It's uh, up on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com as well. Uh, In the meantime, have a wonderful week ahead. Uh, Spring training going on all over Florida, and lots of baseball and great weather. And uh, to our visitors, welcome. Uh, We always love it when you come to visit us in Florida. We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. That's WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.